Hi, hey, hello, and welcome to another draft preview episode of a Colts podcast. My name's Brandon, and I'm joined here by your co-host, my best friend, Andrew Moore. The offense is down, the defense is today. We have some other big news to chat about, but first, how are you doing, kind sir? Man, like we were talking about right before the show, I'm ready for the draft to be here. It's It feels like the month of April is is just crawling by, and, and I'm ready for it to be here. Colts don't even have a pick Thursday night in the first round, but th- this draft, I feel like with all the moves that the Colts have made, getting Matt Ryan, uh, trading for Yannick Ngakwe, signing a guy we're about to talk about here in, a, in just a few minutes, the, the, the Colts have shown that they're going to be aggressive, more aggressive than they have been. And I don't necessarily think that means a trade up, but I do think that means attacking the needs on this team. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm definitely ready for the draft to be here. But uh, we're going to talk some defensive prospects today. How you doing, man? I am doing just dandy. Uh, ready to talk about this draft, ready to dig into things. But first, make sure to remember before we get started, because I'm sure our special guest is bringing in hella viewers. Uh, so make sure while you're here to go follow at a Colts podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, and then after you're done doing that, make sure to go check out the Indie Draft Guide um, by the boys over at SI Colts, including Andrew, our next guest, Josh Carney. Zach Hicks and Jake Arthur. Uh, use promo code DRAFT to get $1 off and bring it down to $8.99. $8.99. Oh, I got it right this week. All right, perfect. <laughs> All right, so now that we've got that out of the way, I want to introduce reporter for the BC Times of the US to, whoa, the USA <laughs> Today Network, writer for Steelers Depot, deputy, deputy editor of SI Colts, Husband, father, and technically our boss, uh, Josh Carney. How are you doing today, buddy? How's it going? Oh, please do not call me your boss. I do not like that. No, I, <laughs> I'm thrilled to be on with you guys. You know, I, it's just a blast to, to talk football here. And you guys have been kicking butt. Uh, just thankful to uh, have a chance to sit in here with you guys and talk some football. Yeah, a lot of things that uh, our boss would say, probably. So, uh, <laughs> glad to have you on here. Uh, you know, hopefully, we don't have to mark this episode as explicit today, Josh Carney. Um, I'll, I'll do my best. I promise. Oh, it's you. Now, I thought we were concerned with me. That's perfect. All right, works out for me. So, uh, let's dig right into it. First, actually, Josh, this is our first time having you on, right? It is. It is. It is. Okay. So, uh, Apparently, Andrew, I think Andrew made this up last episode, but apparently we ask every guest that we have, the plethora of guests that we have, uh, what their drink of choice is. Typically, we're indicating alcoholic beverages. Oh, my. Uh, oh. Not not a big drinker. Um, okay. I enjoy <sighs> hmm, throwing me for a loop here. I mean, I mean, you're not a big drinker, but if you like walked into a liquor store and said, "I'm going to have one alcoholic beverage tonight," Jameson. All right, Ooh. here we go, Jameson. Yeah, that's man of a also, man of culture. However, if you guys have not had a chance yet, the Rocks Tequila, Terramana Tequila. Yeah, 
I actually heard that it's very good. It Usually is. This is like a situation where you're like, is it though? But like I've heard from tequila connoisseurs that he has some good tequila. Yeah, I would not consider myself that, but uh, no. <laughs> I think it's the best I've tried. But uh, no, a drink of choice for sure. I- I'm a huge coffee nut. I think Zach Hicks is the complete opposite of me. Zach Hicks hates coffee. Um, I love coffee. I, I absolutely love it. So I actually started a little, so I work in a totally remote environment. I started a little coffee club on Tuesday and Thursday mornings, like half an hour before work starts. A few of us just get together and shoot the shit before uh, the shift starts. So that's awesome. Yeah. I like that big coffee guy. Um, all right. So the news this week, the Colts have signed. We talked about it last week. We said it looks like it might actually get done. We sent the jet. The jet did its job again. It's undefeated, I'm pretty sure. The Colts have signed cornerback Stefan Gilmore, a two-year, $23 million deal with $14 million guaranteed. Uh, Josh Carney, what do you think? Oh, it's a fantastic deal. I think he's, what, the 18th or 19th highest paid corner in the league. I know he's north of 30 at this point. He's not the Stefan Gilmore that won the 2019 Defensive Player of the Year. But, man, you look at that deal, you get him two years, what was it, $23 million is the max value with, you said, what, $14 million guaranteed? That's a home run every single yeah. time. Uh, he's a significant upgrade over Xavier Rhodes. I think he definitely helps you know, plug the hole with the loss of Rocky Sin. I honestly thought going into the free agent market when Gilmore hit the market, I was like, he's probably going to get somewhere around what J.C. Jackson got. And the way that the Colts were able to stay patient and, and bring him in, you know, Jim Mersey sent the jet. Nobody knew about it. You know, I was listening to the Pat McAfee show. Uh, Ian Rappaport said it broke on the transaction wire. Like he was a visit in Indianapolis on the transaction wire. So nobody knew about it. Uh, it's just, it's how the Colts operate. You know, Chris Ballard, very under the radar, likes to get his value. And, and Gilmore's a guy they've liked for a long time. And he, he fits Gus Bradley's scheme very well. The, the numbers look great on the, the financial side of the deal. Yeah, I think uh, the fact that we're able to keep things on the download too shows uh, a little a little classiness, and and I think that's an a for a guy like Stefan Gilmore for for a veteran like him, I think players like him like that. Absolutely. Matt Ryan, I think players like him like that. Now his deal wasn't as under under the radar um, before that approach, but yeah, I like that you pointed that out, Andrew. It happened. We're here. Stefan Gilmore never thought I'd say it as a cult. Well, I mean, a few weeks ago on our show, I, I said, no, that's not going to happen. Stefan Gilmore price is going to be way too high. And and look what the Colts did. And and I think this has been in the making because just just hearing and talking to a few different people, the Colts really did their homework on, on Stefan Gilmore. There wasn't any character concerns with Gilmore, but they just wanted to see what he would bring to this locker room. They, they, they know the on-field stuff. I mean, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro, Defensive Player of the Year in 2019, still made the Pro Bowl last year, even though he is 31 years old. But but they did the homework on him as far as as the character in the locker room, the, the leadership ability. And, and what what I've gathered from this is they came away feeling like he is going to have a DeForest Buckner like impact to this locker room. He, he's a guy that, that is, is he's on more of a quiet leader. Not you're, he's not going to see him like a, like a Darius Leonard being the, the heart and soul of the defense, but he's going to be that solid veteran. Who's going to go out there, do his job, do his job at a very high level and, and still be a mentor to these younger guys. Like, like an Isaiah Rogers, Eli that, Manning, like, <laughs> Eli Manning light. Yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, I, I think it's a great move by the Colts, especially because they had that 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 hole at outside corner with Rocky Sin being traded to the Raiders. They had signed Brandon Faison, and and you were expecting Isaiah Rogers to take on the other outside corner role. Now those two can battle it out in camp for that other outside corner role. When you have Stephon Gilmore on one side that you don't have to worry about, you have Kenny Moore, obviously, another pro bowler in the slot. This gives the Colts five pro bowlers on the defensive side of the ball now. Two on the defensive line, one at linebacker, and two in their secondary. So it's it's a great get for the Colts. Not only were the Colts patient, but Gilmore was patient as well, and it paid off for both sides. And Bobby Okereke, a guy that could turn into a Pro Bowler along with, um, now I can't think of our safety's name. Julian Blackman. Julian Blackman. Thank you. Goodness gracious. Uh, let's talk about productivity. Stefan Gilmore, 2019 Defensive Player of the Year, two-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, career stats, 427 tackles. A lot of tackles. 27 <laughs> interceptions, uh, two touchdowns. What kind of productivity is he going to be able to bring here? My take, I don't have a take, okay? Uh, the last high-end, and I think I mentioned this last week, the last high-end corner that left the Patriots, it was like Bill Belichick knew there was the line, and Darrell Rivas fell off the face of the earth when he went back to the Jets. Uh, Gilmore went to Carolina, so there was a year in between buffer, but he didn't play much. I don't even remember. I wish we had the stats on how many games he, he played. Plays. That's he played. He played nine games, uh, had two interceptions, two touchdowns on defense, and made the Pro Bowl last year. Well, stats Bill might have for your job, buddy. Bill might, <laughs> Bill might have missed this one. Um, so I, I'm, I am afraid of, I, which I don't expect it, but I am worried about just a drop off because it happens at that position. That that position is the most athletic position in football i'd say probably the second most difficult position in football yeah and i i think i think you to ease on on your your possible fears when you look at the when you look at the tape and i always say look at the tape to kind of see what's going on i mean 159 yards given up but if you think about you think about that over eight games oh no i'm i'm for, that's, that, that, that's not that's not that's not a lot at all so when you when you think about uh I kind of lost my right train of thought there. When you Sorry. look at the tape, you, you you can see that it's not it's not what we saw of Xavier Rhodes in Minnesota before he came to Indianapolis. Stefan Gilmore can still play. He can still lock down and be very aggressive and physical and, and stick with with his speed, stick with the another team's number one wide receiver. We saw him do that multiple times last year. So I think when when you're in this this Gus Bradley system where it's 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 a little bit more man match. So the Colts are going to play more man this year, but it's not going to be Stephon Gilmore's, Gilmore's sole responsibility to follow the number one wide receiver all around the field and lock him down on every single play. He's going to get help. And and, and I, I think taking a little bit of that pressure off of him is going to allow him to, to play well. I think this this defense, this opportunistic scheme that Gus Bradley has as far as turnovers is really going to to help exemplify some of Gilmore's strengths as far as being aggressive. I mean, 27 career interceptions in 10 years, three a year. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty good for a cornerback that isn't thrown to very often because of his coverage skills. So I, I think he will fit in very, very well. And, and I think this, it reminds me of the Justin Houston signing 
a couple years ago, where you have a veteran quarter, a uh, veteran player who has played very, very well at his other stops, getting it up into his 30s, but he's still got plenty left in the tank. I think that's what Stefan Gilmore can bring to the Colts. Yeah, I, I do kind of share something similar with, with Brandon where it's like, ah, Bill Belichick gave up on this guy. What does he know that we don't? Uh, but obviously his play in Carolina last year kind of put that to, to bed a bit. But uh, I do think there's something to be said for him still being on the market this late in free agency and getting the type of deal that he got. I do want to caution Colts fans. I don't think we're going to get that 2019 version that, that we got from Stephon Gilmore uh, in New England. But, you know, as we recall – when Xavier Rhodes came over from Minnesota, he was really good that first year. Really good. Yeah. I think Gilmore can be better than that, but I do caution against a fall off in the second year of that contract. I think he's going to be very opportunistic in Gus Bradley's defense. He's going to give you that physical, aggressive corner on the outside, a guy that can trail the number one receiver from the opponent each week. But I, I think a lot of people are getting lost in the lights with the name a bit and thinking, oh, they got they got another stud. Like, yes, he's still a very good corner, but I think the Colts are getting the lesser version of Stephon Gilmore, which is totally fine. He's clearly the lesser version one. of him might be is better than what we have on the roster right now. That's exactly where I was going. You know, he, he, 75% of Stephon Gilmore's peak is better than what the Colts currently have on the roster. So I, I just, I, I can't find a, uh, an issue with the signing whatsoever, whether it's from the financial side of things, the fit, the age, anything. I mean, it's, it's a really good addition. I just, as I said, I want to caution people that that's not the Stefan Gilmore people think of when they initially hear his name. I think, too, uh, Xavier Rhodes had a great first year, like you mm -hmm. said. Uh, surprised a lot of us uh, was what we hoped for. Like, was that turnaround? Um, second year wasn't that bad either. It started rough. It started rocky. Yeah. Me, and Andrew, me and Andrew were done. I mean, we were <laughs> dick him out of town. We were, we were done. I mean, just as done as we were with Rock two years ago. Um, and then he turned around as well. So um, Xavier Rhodes did turn around the second half of the season. So, I mean, if we could get at least first year with the Colts, Xavier Rhodes uh, from Stefan Gilmore at minimum, I think that would be absolutely a success. Absolutely. And I think the thing too, that's really going to help out is he's coming into a situation where it feels like, you know, Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like the pass rushes is, is sort of fixed in a sense. I mean, obviously, Yannick Ngakwe is coming in. Quiddy Pay is going to play that that wide nine, that Leo role as well. It feels like the Colts have, in a sense, re-energized that pass rush. You know, and a, a good pass rush helps a, a good secondary. They go hand in hand. And I think he's going to be in a situation where the pass rush is going to get home this year, so he's not going to have to be in man coverage as much. And I think that's where some of those opportunities are, are going to come. I'm not – expecting him to have five, six interceptions, you know, but I, I do think he's going to be an opportunistic guy that's around the football a lot uh, and then can make some splash plays for the Colts. Yeah, absolutely. I think the pass rush has a huge, it has a huge factor in all this. Yannick Ngakwe on the outside playing in that Leo role. I mean, this is the system that he's been, he had 10 sacks last year yeah. with Gus Bradley at the Leo position. He thrived in Jacksonville when Gus Bradley was the head coach down there. So there's a reason that, that Yannick has had his best success in this system. It fits him perfectly. And, and even moving Quiddy Pay over to the big end role on the other side, 
he, he was speaking to the media today and said that they're that both these ends are going to play a lot of that wide nine technique where they get way outside the tackle and it's going to be a a more attacking front what Nate Ali the defensive line coach for the Indianapolis Colts this year what he specializes in and what he wants to teach these guys is to pin your ears back go get the football and go get the quarterback. They no more of this read-react stuff that, that Matt Eberflus wanted to do, kind of more paying attention to the run. You've got that's what the linebackers are for. You and you've got a talented enough guys into Forrest Buckner and Grover Stewart, Quiddy Pay, very intelligent players that that they can pin their ears back and and still with their explosion and, and their agility make those plays against the run. So absolutely, I think this pass rush is going to help. Those guys aren't going to be on the outside on islands all day long. The pass rush is going to get there quicker. And it's going to allow those guys, like like Josh was saying, Stephon Gilmore, Kenny Moore, Isaiah Rogers even, who, who makes plenty of plays on the ball, they're going to get many more opportunities just because those quarterbacks aren't going to be able to sit back there all day, be able to go through three and four different reads, and they're going to have to make this a lot quicker decisions Colts can capitalize on that. Are we good? I mean, we kind of cover what he's going to bring to the defense in regards to all that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So uh, state of the Colts defense currently, as we uh, shift into the defensive draft prospects, whoever Josh, how do you feel about the Colts defense right now? I feel pretty darn good about it. I mean, that front seven, it's hard to not feel really good about it secondary uh, they obviously plugged that hole at corner with Gilmore I'm still a little worried about safety obviously they lost Georgia uh Odom and free agency Julie Blackman's still coming back from the torn Achilles uh that's really the only hole I would consider even though they've added a few names there but I mean when you look at the draft that's really the only position where I'm like yeah they could they could spend a, a higher pick there um but really it's hard to find holes on this roster defensively right now. I think all the holes are on the offensive side of the football, specifically yeah. the playmaker, which you guys touched on last week. So I feel really good about the defense. And Andrew and I talked about this heading into last year on a, on an earlier show. You know, we, we felt good about the defense last year too. And for the most part, it, it held up aside from injuries. So they've added some key pieces. This will be year two for Quiddy Pay and, and Deo De Ingbo on along the defensive line. You know, Unique Ngakwe's in here. Darius Leonard has his big deal. Um, Bobby Okereke is, is back for another year. I just, it's hard to not feel really solid about this defense right now. I really think if the Colts are going to add in this draft on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be those depth pieces. And that's mm -hmm. why just getting the sense of everything they've done this year, they've they've seen where their defense was. And, and they've seen how close and how 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 important their defense and the players they have. Like they're most of their guys on defense are entering their primes. DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, Kenny Moore to second. All three of those guys entering their primes. So you get a Yannick Ngakwe, you get a Stefan Gilmore. You make this a, a feared unit in the AFC when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson can go on and on and on you need that defense to combat them. And so that's why I think with, with the holes on offense that we talked about last week, needing wide receiver help, needing a playmaker at tight end, possibly a left tackle addition, but more probably looking at offensive line depth. 
the moves they've made, it really signals that that I think maybe day three is where we're going to see the majority of these defensive picks in the draft that the Colts make them to yeah. add depth and, and bolster the defensive line, bolster that cornerback depth because you can never have enough cornerbacks in this league. And then safety with Blackman coming off the, the, to the torn Achilles. I think the Roddy McLeod injury – just like how I said about the the TJ Carey signing a couple years ago and, and what I said about the Chris Reed signing last year, the Roddy McLeod signing I think is the most underrated move that the Colts are going to make this offseason mm-hmm. because of the, the three safety system that Gus Bradley uses. So McLeod's going to play even if Blackman's out there. But if Blackman can't start off the season, McLeod's going to have a huge role. So again, I think for the defensive sake, if we're going to see guys taken by the Colts in this draft, it's probably going to be on day three where they're looking to add that depth and that competition uh, f- for those positions. Yeah, I agree. I, so, I mean, this defensive draft prospect conversation is not going to be the most entertaining defensive draft prospect <laughs> conversation we've ever had uh, in our three years doing the draft now, covering the draft. Uh, but it's going to be important positions, uh, in, and, and we're going to dig into that here. I think the state of the defense for me, I'm happy. I'm happy. I think uh, the tools, I think our defense, although it was built around um, an Eberflu system, I think if the guys we have, the aggressive guys we have, turnover-making machines, I think it fits a Gus Bradley defense uh, even better because um, we're going to be attacking a little bit more. This has the the potential to be – easily a top three, top five defense in the league this year. And if you get that and you get a more consistent offense, a more balanced offense, which I I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. I don't want to sound like a homer here whatsoever, but this feels like a legitimate Super Bowl contender if health goes their way. Obviously, last year started out very poorly right in training camp. Yeah. But, but – the talent is there and just a few more moves here or there in the draft, maybe a, you know, an under the radar free agency signing at, you know, offensively, this team is, is it feels loaded and defense wins championships, you know, and if you're, if you're solid on that side of the football, it can carry you and the Colts have the, the makeup of a legitimate contender, one that can pound the rock, take care of the football and stop opposing offense and take the football away. And, and, they're in a great position right now. All right, defensive draft prospects. Andrew, types of defenders the Colts want for their defense. Uh, I mean, just in, in, in years past, it's been it's been tacklers, aggressive, hardworking dudes that are trying to make the football pop out of guys' hands. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Long guys, explosive guys, guys that, that have a nose for the football. Those are the types of guys the Colts are looking for as far as on the field. And then you, you look at the off the field stuff, high football character, guys that, that were at the senior bowl. Uh, that's always uh, an area where the Colts love to grab guys, uh, guys that, that were team captains in college. That's always something very high for the Indianapolis Colts as well. But but when you're focusing in on these day three uh, day three prospects, which I think is where the focus of the Colts is, are, is going to be unless an, an obscure talent falls down to where they are because the Colts are always going to do best player available. We've already talked about that. But but say say nothing crazy happens in the draft. 
you're, you're going to be looking for those guys with high-end traits. And, and Chris Ballard said this in the first episode with the next pick just a few weeks ago. So, so guys that have that high-end speed, like an Isaiah Rogers who was taken on the sixth, in the sixth round. Uh, guys with, the, with very long arms, like, like an EJ speed at the linebacker position. Yeah. Guys that just have those traits and those 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 abilities that really can't be taught. So you might see a little bit more raw uh, prospects here by the Colts this year on the defensive side of the ball. But one hundred percent, you're you gotta have you gotta be explosive, you gotta be athletic, and you gotta have those physical traits in order to pop up on on Chris Ballard and the Colts radar. Yeah, I mean, you, you certainly nailed it, and they like those height, weight, speed guys. We've we've seen that throughout the year. Uh, the years. And unfortunately, I think we're going to get into it here. Uh, there's a lot of those guys on day three that, that could certainly fit the mold defensively. Uh, and, and I'm in full agreement with you, Andrew. I, I think that that day three, that, you know, that rounds uh, four through seven is where the Colts are going to kind of stock up on some depth defensively. I also think that's an area where Chris Ballard has shined uh, yeah. since he's been the Colts uh gm so definitely an opportunity to improve this defense again this year uh let's start with the defensive line and and andrew's got in the notes here you know he writes he writes the outlines uh depth 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 you know there's uh, we're not looking at any starters on the defense most likely unless the classic best player available situation arises um but you know we're, we're we're doing this podcast about all these depth pieces and it, it, it's and Chris Bowdle. Chris Bowdle go big for some defender in the first round. What's going to end up happening is Straight the same up. thing that happened in 2019, where we didn't talk about running backs in our or 2020. We didn't talk about running backs in our draft preview because we had Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines. What does Chris Ballard do? He trades up for Jonathan Taylor and gets the best running back in the league. So we're talking about all this. Look, what's, <laughs> I can almost guarantee this is probably what's going to happen. We are absolutely incorrect about everything <laughs> we're about to say is what Andrew's trying to tell you. We're like, the weather, we're like the weathermen of football. Uh, that's what draft talk is for anybody. Um, so defensive line depth is where we think the largest opportunity um, for help could be honestly, all three of these positions are going to be real tight in regards to importance. We're just taking our best guess. So defensive line depth, who fits the Colts, who, excuse me, who are realistic options um, at that position with where we think maybe the Colts will pick uh, Josh. There's two guys I like, and I got a chance to see one of them in Vegas when I was at the East West Shrine Bowl. Uh, that guy is Marquand McCall. Humble brag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, humble brag. No, Marquand McCall uh, makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. He is a squatty fire hydrant in the middle of that defense. He's got some serious explosiveness to his game as well. Um, he was a fantastic run stopper uh, at Kentucky the last few years. But, man, he shed, I think, 20 pounds leading up to the East-West Shrine game. The entire week, he looked so explosive. He gave guys fits in Vegas. Uh, and his tape doesn't quite show that. Um, but just going through the practice tape from that week in Vegas, it's it's there, and I think he's flying under the radar. I know in our draft guide we have a fourth-round grade on him. That feels about right. Uh, one guy that I, I wrote up uh, in that draft guide was, was John Ridgway out of Arkansas. Mm -hmm. uh, his comparison, Andrew, <laughs> is Grover Stewart. I mean, yep. hello, you know, there, there's, your, there's your depth guy right there. Uh, you know, those two make a ton of sense. But right now, along the defensive line, I know people want to have that 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 backup to 
DeForest Buckner, but I'm kind of more worried about that backup to Grover Stewart right now. And yeah, there's a lot of squatty guys that can stop the run. You know, DJ Davidson out of Arizona State, he's there. He can be had on day three. Uh, you know, Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU, he's there. He could be a, a late day three priority free agent guy. There's just a ton of depth there. But if Chris Ballard wants to go early, you know, maybe that 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 fourth rounder or that third rounder. The guy I keep coming back to is Matthew Butler out of Tennessee. Uh, he plays everywhere along the defensive line. He, you know, he could be a one tech, three tech, five tech. He could be a two gapper. You know, he he can do it all. Uh, and I got a chance to speak with him in Vegas. He doesn't have a comfort as to what he prefers to do. He just wants to play football. And uh, he dominated in Vegas all week. He just feels like he has the right attitude. He's a, just a great guy in general, checks all the boxes for the Colts. Um, if that's a guy that Ballard wants to kind of jump at early and surprise people, I think he could be had in the third. You picked two of my top three options right. because I I love I love uh, the the comparison of Ridgeway being Grover Stewart 2.0. We talked about Jake Ferguson being Jack Doyle 2.0. Oh, yeah. I, I mean yeah. he, the guy the guy is is six foot five. Uh, 321 pounds out of Arkansas that he can be had on day three. And and I think that's – you brought up the, the people are concerned with uh, the backup to DeForest Buckner, but I think people forgetting like Dio, Dio there isn't one. There is one. Number one, there isn't one because Buckner's out there for most of the plays. But Dio Dangbo can play that three yes. technique. Tyquan Lewis can play that three technique. Mm -hmm. I think they have plenty of guys that can play three tech, but there's not too many guys that can play one tech if Grover Stewart goes down. So I really like Ridgeway there. Uh, a guy that and, and a guy that you mentioned in in Butler, the Colts really like defensive linemen that are versatile that can play all up and down the line because just, like the two guys that i just mentioned dio dangbo can play inside and out taekwon lewis can play inside and out the more positions you can play the more opportunities you're going to have on this colts defensive line because what does chris ballard always say we need eight to nine guys along the defensive lines because they're consistently rotating those guys in and out to keep them fresh. So, and then I, my third guy that I, I'm really high on is is Thomas Booker out of out of Stanford. I, I think just number one, his character. I think he's he's a fine uh, young man. He's a guy that that really stands out to the Indianapolis Colts. He just had a a, a, a private work. I think it was a top thirty visit even yes. with the Colts this past week. So that's a guy that I. I think again you can he you can find on day three he's uh he's just a ball of muscle he can play inside if you wanted to stick him outside for 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 a little of big end position you can do that as well but i think those guys scheme versatility guys that, that play maybe primarily the one tech if you're looking for defense interior defensive line not so much that athletic three technique uh but the, and then guys that that can really stop the run and as well as pass rush smart individuals high character guys all three of those guys fit that mold so what i'm getting from your opinions from the two of you the big the biggest key to the interior defensive line depth is going to be grover stewart type guys uh, those bigger, stockier guys. My question is, can any of these guys cook chicken wings? <laughs> I don't think we did, you know, a deep enough dive there. I, I need to know least. if the Indy Draft Guide has chicken wing information. That uh, because they, I think we, it's going to be important. We the Coca Cola with the Coca Cola with the uh, the butter in there for that Dude. for that sauce. My goodness, heart attack, heart attack. But hey, 
I, I, I don't know what I was watching. I was watching a show today or something that, that some guy said, I mean, I'd rather die fat and happy than skinny and miserable. And I, I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> I, want, I want Andrew to get, I want Andrew to get media credentials this year. Uh, and then I want, uh, grover stewart chicken wing get together credentials <laughs> uh, that's all i want in my life Man. uh any anything else on defensive line depth specifically um i think we're probably okay on the outside uh so the the one technique as andrew said is probably the biggest key to defensive line depth this offseason I do think they could use some depth on the outside because I mean you have you have Taekwon Lewis who can play out there and Dio Dangbo behind in and Pei, but but I mean Kamoko Ture is gone. Uh, you're thinking about Isaac Rochelle was just picked up today, so yeah. the, the Colts still do have some defensive ends like on the outside that that they need, and and for that you're looking at at guys such as um, I know a guy in uh, Azizi Otomawe um, from out of Minnesota who, who the Colts have been in contact with a guy they can find who's, he's not as athletic as what the Colts usually do go for, but I think he's a local guy and, and he's a kid that has a relentless motor. So uh, something that the Colts really like to see on their defensive line. So I do think, I do still think edge is going to be a priority because you don't have, maybe that backup Leo or that backup speed edge rusher that the, that the Colts covet. So that could be a sneaky get on day three, maybe a guy that's, that's a little bit raw, but, but still has those, those long arms, that explosive get off and, and just kind of needs some, some refinement in his game as he gets NFL coaching. You forget, you got to replace Aquadine Muhammad as well. The best pass rusher in Colts history. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, you mentioned kind of that speed. You hear guy. that? Hold on. Wait. I'm pretty sure Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney are walking into your house right now. Hey, <laughs> I, heard I would it. love to. I would love to sit down and chat with them about pass rushing. Uh, yeah, I'm just glad I don't have to watch Aquadine Muhammad take snaps from young guys anymore. Um, yes. No, but you 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 mentioned that that speed guy off the edge, Andrew, and obviously Kamoka Ture is no longer here. Ben Banigou is uh, uh, Ben. Banigou. He's Ben Banigou. Yeah, at this point. <laughs> A guy that I have circled that after I saw him test at the combine, I was like, holy smokes. Amara Barno from, from Virginia Tech, just a height, weight, speed freak, very similarly built to Ture and Banigou. Uh, I think he's a bit raw as a prospect overall, but I'd love to get him in that wide nine role in Gus Bradley's defense, let him develop and maybe come in on obvious passing downs in, in certain situations, you know, maybe five five to seven snaps a game. Just let him pin his ears back and, and use that, that – that just God-given athletic ability to get after the quarterback. Uh, I, I don't think they need a guy that can come in and play 20, 25 snaps right now, but I would like to see that that freakish guy, um, the Colts take a flyer on that type of guy and try and develop him. And stats Mac brings up a guy, Jeffrey yep. Gunter. And, and Gunter, I think, is is a as a perfect fit for the Colts because of his explosiveness and his ability to rush around the edge. Uh, I think maybe if, if he can fall to the fourth round, I think maybe the Colts would would take a would take a really hard look at him there. Uh if if they don't like any of the receiver options, because I'm still all about double dipping at wide receiver in yes. this draft. Yep. But 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 Gunter, I think, is a great fit. And then kind of to tap it to top it all off, the chicken wings were marinated in the sink. Who does that? I mean, it's just a uh, maybe it's maybe that's the secret to uh, Grover Stewart. Got a clean sink, very clean sink, like the coffee pot you never wash. (laughs) 
little extra flavor in there. I guess. I mean, you got leftovers in the drain that cop. <laughs> oh man. Oh. <laughs> I guess that's the secret to being a great one tech in the NFL. You know, just oh man. extra protein. <laughs> oh man, that's bad. <laughs> All right, let's go into what I honestly uh, just on a sheer numbers uh, from a sheer numbers aspect. I feel like this cornerback depth position is probably. Uh, right up there in importance with defensive line. Uh, obviously, Stefan Gilmore gives us starter help, uh, which we desperately needed, but uh, depth still a piece there. Who fits? Who could we get? Let's get to it. Yeah, you're going to need length and physicality at the position. I mean, that's just what you need to look for. Zach Hicks has done a great job with the build of Ballard series, taking a look at what Ballard's done at the position. And he identified some guys. I know I mentioned Tariq Woolen earlier. He, he's the guy. I mean, that's the guy that if the Colts are going to swing big on a defensive player early, I think it's going to be him. Uh, I'm sure they'll get chastised a bit for for drafting him so early if they do. Uh, I think he's a legitimate guy at, at 42. Um, but, you know, he, he's that he's that height, weight, speed guy. He's coming out of UTSA. Uh, he would take some time to develop. I, I I think it would be safe to say he wouldn't be an impact guy right away. But, I mean, when you build a Ballard cornerback, that's kind of him at this point. You know, a Caleb Evans from Missouri, uh, he's a guy that I've seen mock to the Colts at times. He fits everything the Colts look for a cornerback. You know, the, the guy I really like, though, I think is kind of being overlooked at this point in the draft is Martin Emerson from Mississippi State. I think he's the second tallest corner in the class right behind Woolen. Uh, he's got that SEC starting experience multiple years down there. Just a big physical guy, really long arms, gets on you, stays in your hip pocket, and, and he can make plays on the football. That's a guy I really like, and I think he can be had in that that fourth, fifth round range uh, and, and you know, kind of come in and develop and learn from Stephon Gilmore. That would be the ideal situation. Uh, so real quick, Andrew, before you go, I, I like that we pointed out uh, – the kind of guys that we've drafted them past being larger guys, long guys. Um, but then also you mentioned the guy that it would be more of a, a project and a little more of a, a, a not a guy that's going to be ready right away. We've kind of taken a couple flyers on, at, at wide receiver on a Patman, on a uh, Mike Strawn that, I mean, when when is the development over? When is it time for these guys to get on the field? So hopefully the Flyers at this position aren't too far out because we might need somebody this year. You know, they might have to play this year. I think Woolen could play this year mm -hmm. later in his rookie season. I just think he'd have to come in and kind of get into that that NFL style weight yeah. room and you know that 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 regimen and kind of get up to speed. But he has all the physical traits to, to play right away. It's just you want to throw him into the deep end of the pool and maybe, you know, shoot his confidence down. But right. I, I think he could be that that second half of the season after the bye week, start to get more snaps once he's more comfortable. He's not like a, a Strawn or a Desmond Patman where he needs significant development to make that jump to the NFL. He's a guy I think could be a terror on special teams right away and it could give you some defensive snaps later in the season if you need it. 
Oh, absolutely. I think I think by maybe week seven or eight, yeah. you could see Woolen really pushing, facing, or or Isaiah Rogers, whoever earns that that starting outside corner spot opposite of Gilmore. Uh, but but a guy I I think I'm a little bit higher on than than most is is Cordell Float, uh, a guy that that's a little bit smaller as far as his weight is concerned. He's 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 pretty much a, a two by four his build, but he's six foot one. He's got very long arms, and and the Colts have showed interest in him through throughout the, the draft process so a guy out of lsu who who's who plays he's just a, has that aggressive style to him he, he's a guy that, that really fights for the ball like isaiah rogers does so maybe maybe a mid-round uh a chance on him a guy that that, that zach had mentioned as far as small school guys because if you think about it Ballard likes those small school guys. Grover Stewart, yeah. Albany State. I mean, Darius Leonard was from South Carolina State. He takes chances on those guys. And, yeah. and a guy that, that fits as being six foot two, 200 pounds out of Sam Houston State, Zion McCollum. Uh, a cornerback that that's real long. He's fast. He's got that ability to really get after guys. And and I think he, like like Josh was saying with these guys, especially the cornerback position. They, they're going to need to be able to comp- to compete and and participate and really put forth uh, have an impact on special teams right away so that way they can see the field and and stick on this roster so i i think that's where you're going to see these cornerbacks especially these young guys really make their hay because it's they're probably not going to come in and start right away so they have to make an impact on special teams i mean that's where ashton doolin got his start i know it's a wide receiver but but it's the reason why why isaiah rogers kind of came on the scene is his hard work on special teams eventually started getting some run on defense and we saw the potential in in this guy who was really drafted specifically for special teams i mean he's only 510 he's not 200 pounds or anything but it was his 43 speed and his special teams acumen that he even got him a chance on this roster so I, again you're, you're typically going to see corners that, that are taller more physical that can can help in the run game uh guys with those long arms to make plays on the ball but w- once we start getting into that day three that's where you can start taking chances on guys and and smaller school guys like a like a zion mccollum which i'm a big fan of Floats interesting too because he played primarily slot at LSU because mm-hmm. they're so loaded on the outside, but he can he can hang on the outside when he needs to. Uh, but again, that goes back to the, the discussion we had about the defensive line too. That versatility, you know, if you get a guy like that who has the size and the length and he can play slot and boundary, I mean that's huge from just a roster building standpoint. Uh, that, that's an interesting name I hadn't quite thought of, um, honestly, for the Colts much. I know that they've shown some interest, but uh, the more I think about from a roster building standpoint, he makes a ton of sense just due to that versatility. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, too, and Andrew uh, didn't sp- specifically point this out but a lot of these guys we're talking about um especially the further and further into the draft we go if they've got a chance um being able to play special teams is going to play a huge role um on this Colts team uh being able to if you you know you're not a guy that's going to get a lot of maybe snaps um you know on the defensive side of the ball uh being able to play special teams is how you stay on this football team uh when you're kind of middle of the pack on bottom of the pack there Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that's the key. And I think that's a, that's how it is with a lot of the most successful yeah. franchises in the last 20 years or so. You know, some teams, it feels like they overlook special teams and they're like, ah, it's not Packers. as important. But <laughs> Packers. Yes. <laughs> uh, but 
when you invest in special teams and invest in that development of those guys, it makes your team that much better. We saw how good the Colts special teams was last year. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's because of the time and investment they've made in some of these young players and saying, okay, this is how you stick on this roster. And they buy in, you know, and, and they get rewarded for it in the long run, you know. And it made Zaire a difference Franklin. in some games. Sorry. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. No, it makes a huge difference. It's it's a very important uh, part of games. I know some fans don't care about it much just because it's special teams. It's what, five to seven snaps a game at most, roughly. But it's incredibly important, and, and one bad play can change the outcome, and we, we saw that a ton last year. Good. Let's move it along to safety. Safety. Uh, Kyle Stewart uh, predicting our next move here a little bit, I think. Uh, safety depth. So what do we got? We got a Corey Willis. We got a Julian Blackman. We got McLeod. I imagine safety depth of these three positions, and Andrew's got it listed at the bottom for a reason. Probably. Probably the lowest on uh, the list of importance for the Colts. Uh, and again, never know with Chris Ballard. But um, yeah, I mean, who are some guys that fit? What do we what do we need in the position there at this point? Um, and who are guys that fit that? That that's a tough one because it feels like they're. It's going to be hard for a rookie on day three to kind of stick at this point. But it feels like to me. They, they need that guy that can kind of be that in-the-box safety at times. Uh, they can be... A Kari that, Willis backup. In a sense. I mean, Kari Willis could play a little bit of, of deep safety as well, but I'd like to see kind of that tackling machine that could step in and, and, and kind of be that box guy, but also be just a menace on special teams. And the guy that I have circled, uh, he's kind of been my draft crush since probably Christmas times, Percy Butler out of Louisiana. Over a thousand career special team snaps in college, which is insane. Uh, two year starter down there in Louisiana. He was at the East West Shrine game. I got to just chat with him extensively. He is a great dude. All he wants to do is prove himself uh, as a safety. He knows how good he is on special teams, but he wants to prove to people that he is a legitimate safety. Uh, he could be that. He's he's undersized. He's six foot one ninety. Uh, I think we have, what, a sixth-round grade on him in the draft guide, I believe. Uh, but he's going to come in and be a special teams ace right away. I think he could stick on a roster that way. Uh, he is a guy I have circled. One other guy I wanted to mention is Reed Blankenship. Uh, that guy hits like an absolute truck. Uh, he is he is a, a very sound box safety. He is a bit of a liability in coverage, I'll be quite honest with you. That's really not his game. He feels like a guy that eventually could transition to that hybrid linebacker, dime-type linebacker role. Uh, but, man, I'm looking for special teams guys at this point, and, and those two make a ton of sense for me. I'm sure Andrew has guys that could step in and, and play some defensive snaps at this point if they needed to. But, yeah, I'm all about the special teams, especially in this safety class where I don't feel like the Colts are going to be in a position to spend high at the position. I'm a big think, uh, fan of the last name Blankenship. So 
<laughs> I think I think we can all we can all preface <laughs> this when talking about safety position. At least we don't have to witness Andrew Sandejo on the field for the Colts anymore. I mean, Wait, talk- careful, careful! It could still happen, Andrew. <laughs> My God, I hope not. But but yeah, I, I love Blankenship. I mean, the dude just just lightning in a bottle, kind of like Kenny Moore. He he lays the boom. Uh, but but a guy. I mean, we talked about a Kari Willis backup. A guy that we have as as a comp to Kari Willis in the draft guide is Leon O'Neill out of texas a&m he's six foot 204 pounds um a guy that's very very smart and he's got really good size kind of like what Kari willis has Kari willis is he's not necessarily the best in coverage but but he he's got that effort Kari willis is one of the smartest guys one of the most mature guys even for his age on this colts defense so i think leon o'neill a guy that that can really become a core special teamer and 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 really fit that role well. So when you're looking at guys that might be able to sneak into the back end of the roster, because when you're thinking about the safety position, I mean, Blackman's locked in, Willis is locked in, McLeod is locked in. It's probably going to be between Armani Watts from, from Kansas City, who is a core special teamer, or that that rookie safety who's also going to have to contribute on special teams if they want to have a shot at beating out Watts to be on this be on this roster in 2022. So I think Leon O'Neill fits that. A guy that that is probably one of my draft crushes but isn't going to be on this team because I think he's going to go way too high is Nick Cross out of Maryland. Just yeah. love the guy. Love the safety. Uh he I think he would fit perfectly as as that deep Julian Blackman backup in, in this off in this defense i should say where he can roam the middle of the field he has great instincts and and just a phenomenal athlete but i think he's we're probably looking at end of the second early third round for nick cross is the range where he's gonna go and i don't think the colts are gonna be looking for a safety at that time um but yeah i i i love what you said about blankenship and then another guy that I, I'm, I'm really high on as well that I think the Colts could could probably use is is uh, let me see here Brian Cook Brian Cook out of Cincinnati again a night a guy that's six foot one two hundred and six pounds got that size that the Colts like um, and while he's 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 not the um, well, he can get overzealous at times is what we have here in the draft card guide. He's a smart defender. And, and the Colts really look at the for their safeties. They want them to be smart players and and kind of the the quote unquote quarterback of the secondary, making sure guys get in the right spot, becoming that 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 leader to kind of read the field. And and I think he can do that. The one other name I wanted to throw out, and he feels like a Ballard guy because he checks a lot of the character boxes. Quentin Lake out of UCLA. Uh, obviously, the son of Carnell Lake, uh, you know, a former Steeler and Jaguar, great all-pro safety and cornerback. Quinton has some similar characteristics. He can be that box safety. He can play some of that field safety. He can play corner at times, too. Uh, and, and he's, I think, one of the smarter players in the draft overall. I think he's going to be able to make the transition to the league relatively quickly because he grew up around the game. Uh that's a name that, that I kind of have circled there that could be a, you know, potential fit and could be a, a future special teams captain in Indianapolis. Love it. Any guys in the chat um, that we like? Names of stats, Matt, is talking about uh, – cross. you guys mentioned – one of you mentioned Cross, right? Yep. Yeah, Andrew mentioned Cross, yep. Marquis Bell. Yeah, they've they've shown some interest in him. He is that kind of that quote unquote small school guy. 
certainly has the physical traits, but yeah. it's so hard to get tape on him. I mean, mm-hmm. it's honestly it, so hard to get tape on it, him. It is. It barely is. All right. Go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. Well, I mean, I was just going to say, I think, I think for the safety position at, at first, when, when the off season started, I thought safety and safety depth with us was a huge hole. And even just until a couple weeks ago, I, I thought for sure that safety would be a focus in this draft. And then you come out with them, a cloud signing, which I think again, very underrated, very good signing. I really am because I think, yeah. I think, at this point in time, I mean, the big fish out there was Tyron Matthew. But if you couldn't get Matthew, I think McLeod was probably the second best safety on the market. And, and I, he's a guy that is a little bit older. But again, he's not going to be relied on to play 70 snaps a game. He's going to be a yeah. guy that, that comes in on those special packages to provide a, an extra boost to this defense. He's He still has it. I think pro football focus is in the past three years as far as, as safety is uh, or rankings for safeties and pass coverage yeah. he's been in the top 10 each one of the last three years so uh, the kid the guy's still got it and he's going to bring a, a veteran presence to that safety room that i mean it has julian blackman and Kari willis guys that are in they're going to be in their third and fourth year in the league so while they've been with the colts for a little while they're still young guys so mcleod brings that presence and i think it's going to have a profound impact a bigger impact than most people think on this secondary I would throw out too. I don't think that the Colts are entirely done at that position, uh, at least in free agency. I, I'm not saying Tyron Matthew. I think no. that that ship has sailed. But yeah, there are some veteran safeties out there who the market could really come to Chris Ballard, and he could strike. The one name that I'm looking at, and I kind of have familiarity with him, is Terrell Edmonds. You know, he's out there. He is still super young. I think he's 24, 25 years old. Has not signed. He played four straight seasons, missed, I think, two games in total, one or two games in total with the Steelers. Uh, not much of a playmaker, but he's a sound tackler. He's gotten better every year. And, man, it, if it came down to you could get that guy for $3 million a year on a one- or two-year deal, I don't think a Rodney McLeod blocks that in Ballard's mind is all I'm saying. But I, I am with Andrew. I really liked the McLeod signing. I thought he was significantly underrated in Philadelphia. Uh, when he's healthy, he is a, a significant piece to a very good defense. But uh, I, I just have a sneaky suspicion that Ballard's not done at that position. I feel like the position of safety, you know, unless you're a guy that just jumps off the paper, uh, you know, or you're a fan of the team, Safety is a position that just doesn't jump out to the fans unless you're a guy like a Tyron Matthews. So it's e- I feel like it's easy for safeties to fly under the radar uh, like a McLeod. I mean, on, we, we signed a guy that uh, has been in top 10 in PFF stats for the last three years uh, as a potential backup. You know what I mean? Like, that's wild to me to think about. And, and nobody knows why or who he is at this point um, unless you've done your research. So an interesting position that safety position certainly is you're the last line of defense if you mess up you're awful if you do your yeah. job well nobody i mean yeah nobody they still cares. got they probably still got a first down i mean right. unless it's a broken up pass so right yeah it, it's a it, yeah it's an odd odd position to try to uh to judge but uh jo- I, I think josh is heading out andrew right yeah, he can stick around for the news as long as he doesn't have anything that he's got working on Steelers stuff or Colts stuff. 
Nope, I was just right. going to go through the uh, the pressers today from Colts, but I could stick around with you guys for sure. Let's go through Colts free agency, then we'll uh, we'll kick you on out of here and let you enjoy your night. Um, so <laughs> Colts free agency news. Uh, let's see. Colts began their offseason program phase one on Monday. What I don't know. What, what, Andrew, why is this in Colts free agency news? You know, I, I, I should have put Colts free agency in other news. We just combine it all together. It's we'll just fine. Put other Colts news. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Colts began offseason program phase one on Monday meetings, strength and conditioning, physical rehabilitation only. Uh, Andrew, will you spout off that list you sent me? Uh, was it last night? Yeah. So, people, I mean, you, on faces you've seen in photos uh, that are there. Yeah, so guys, guys that I know are there, uh, and I'm not going to run through the whole list, but but some of the highlights is Matt Ryan's there already, obviously. Um, Sam Ellinger, uh, everyone's favorite backup quarterback, uh, but Pittman's there. We've seen video of Matt Ryan working with with Paris Campbell, uh, uh, Ashton Doolin, Mike Strawn, Desmond Patman, all those young wide receivers the Colts are are high on are there working and trying to get things down with Matt Ryan, as well as like, Mo Ali Cox, Kylan Grants, and all those pass catchers. Um, look, the, it seems like the entirety of the Colts starting offensive line is there prior Nelson, Kelly, Pinter, Smith, moving on to the uh, defensive side of the ball, Buckner, pay, pay uh, Stewart, Odangbo, Lewis, Ben Banigou. Uh, it, it seems like the Colts are really getting great participation numbers out of these these uh, off-season programs already. Uh, Kenny Moore was there, Isaiah Rogers, Brandon Faison. Brandon's wow. favorite player in Hot Rod, Rodrigo Blankenship, yeah. was there. Uh, but but I I keep thinking back to this quote that Chris Ballard said after the season when they asked about if the softer offseason program hurt the Colts didn't get off to a great start and he said oh we're gonna have an offseason program you they don't players don't have to be here but the guys that want to win they'll be in the building and they'll be working sure enough it seems like most of the stars are there and getting to work pretty early. Yeah, that's the nice thing. I mean, it's it's voluntary workouts, but you can look around the league and see who wants to be in the building, what teams are close, what teams enjoy being around each other. And it feels like for all the stuff that came out this this these past few months about the Carson Wentz situation and the mood in the locker room, this team genuinely loves being around each other and, and wants to compete. And it, it's great to see the Colts show up and put in the work and you're not worried about, oh, is this guy holding out? Or, yeah. You know, does this guy want out? Does this guy want more money? Uh, these guys just want to be together and want to want to get better and, and improve a lot of people wrong. So it's great to see that type of turnout. But uh, yeah, for the guys that aren't there, I mean, it's voluntary. It doesn't mean they're sitting at home with their feet up, you know, being lazy. They they probably like to work out on their own, and that's basically what this is: is a glorified weight room session. Yep, and uh, real glad to see uh, Matt Ryan there. Real glad to see Matt Ryan throwing a football. Uh, somebody sh- shot me over a video of him throwing the ball to Paris Campbell. All about it. <laughs> I just, I, please stay healthy, Paris Campbell. I, yeah. I got to have that dynasty league fantasy football pay off at some point. You know, I've held on to the shares far too long. There you I, go. Paris Campbell just, I mean, not, not him, the player, but his situation just frustrates me so much because he's got the talent. The kid works his butt off. I mean, you constantly, whenever you hear about quarterbacks throwing to wide receivers and, and trying to get extra work in Paris Campbell's one of those guys that's always involved. So the kid works his butt off. And I think if he can just stay healthy, he can be that number three wide receiver on this team. He's the ideal slot guy for this team. They just, his injury luck has to turn around this year or or he's done. 
Yeah, and it it does pain me, though, to look back. Like I did a piece the other day how Ben Banigou was the worst draft pick of the last five years. And you look between Banigou and Campbell at 49 and 59, the receivers that came off the board there. It yep. it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> Wide receiver Ashton Doolin signs his uh, rookie free agent tender. Uh, big time special teams restricted what? free, restricted agent, free tender. agent tender. You know what I meant. Get, listen, <laughs> if you don't want me to mess up acronyms, don't use them. Uh, is restricted free agent tender, a rookie free agent. Get out of here. Is Ashton uh, Doolin the wide receiver too right now? That uh, that's uh, what uh, Zach and I were talking about on Twitter. Today. Yeah, sure <laughs> feels like it. I mean. <laughs> Special teams number one, if you ask me. I don't know. For sure. For sure. Uh, Colts signed former Titans offensive tackle, Brandon Kemp. Big dude. Real big dude. Um, He was he I don't think he's even played in in an NFL game because he's been injured or he was on the Titans practice squad. He was injured for 2021. Uh, But I, I think this is just more of a camp body. See if he can compete. See if he could possibly step up and show some potential. But uh Big big guy. I think he's like six seven three twenty. Yeah, three twenty. And that that hey, Valdosta State. I mean the, mm-hmm. the Colts. The Colts have had some success there. there before. Been Former teammate campus. of Kenny Moore. Yep. I've lived there. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> two months. Terrible two months. Don't move to Valdosta. I'll just tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, go to college there. That's fine. No offense to you, Mister Kenny Moore. The second, but I do move. <laughs> What a town. Uh, Colts free agency tracker. Uh, defensive <laughs> defensive end Kamoka Trey gone to the 49ers and today. Defensive end Isaac, uh, Isaac Rochelle to the Browns. Uh, Sayonara. You know, I mean, I, all I get from this is Madden was wrong. Kamoko Trey did not go to the 49ers like he did in one of my uh, – franchises uh kamoko Ture, i i mean i, I wish him well I, I hopefully he does hopefully he does show that potential that that he did the flashes in indy um but he he just he couldn't stay healthy and he couldn't put it all together consistently enough to stay on the field and have a big role for the colts they got you know they got some production out of a guy that um you know was a later round draft pick i mean it's not a huge miss it's it's disappointing because the traits are there and the, the obvious potential was there, but at some point you kind of just have to get off that, that ride. And, and that's what the Colts did. And it wouldn't surprise me if he has success in San Francisco, like the traits are there. He's going to a system where he's going to play with his hand in the dirt and be alongside a bunch of other talented defensive linemen again, but you, you just have to move on at some point and he couldn't stay healthy here. All right. That wraps up uh, other news for agency. We'll dig into with the next pick here in a minute. But Josh, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Editor and boss. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> having you on. Um, you know what? We need more. We need more bodies. We need camp bodies. We need draft bodies uh, probably next Friday. Uh, so if you want to hop in, let Andrew know. I'll be strictly producing and recovering from a wisdom tooth removal. So. Oh, my. Uh, oh. we're, we need to load up this show with some special guests. So, uh, best wishes to you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be just, doing <laughs> some of these, so, but um, just let me know, Andrew. And then, uh, yeah, I, I'll definitely try and make it work for sure. Sounds go. good. All right, man. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Guys. Thanks Appreciate for coming. Appreciate it. Yeah. Later. All right. Boss man, Josh Carney. Thank you, Josh. I played that when he was here. 
all right, with the next pick, episode two, watched it today, uh, which What's is great. Uh, this guy's the best. Our capologist <laughs> is that dude. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll make an appearance, man. Don't uh, don't get me wrong. I'll probably throw myself up, but um, so <laughs> I think that's a guy right there that. If you ask me, that's Chris Ballard's number two. Mike Bloom? Really? Right? Mike Bloom. So, I mean, they talk about how he is the, I mean, he's essentially head of negotiation. I mean, I think- he handles all the numbers. I think his job, Chris Ballard has managed to split his job, his full job into two people so that he can focus on the part that he's best at in the football. And Bloom gets to focus on the money side of things and all that nonsense. Um, I mean, we see in that episode, a lot of him doing negotiating, a lot of him talking, and this man is numbers driven. I mean, that dude is business only. And I think what he does is really impressive. It is. Mike Bloom is the, is a very underappreciated guy. As far as Colts fans are concerned, Chris Ballard talks about Mike Bloom all the time about how he's a rock star and he's a guy that is consistently keeping their cap in mind. I wouldn't go too far as he's the number two, because I would think. Well, I mean, it guess just depending on how you de- define number two, but Ed Dodds, we we don't, I mean, Ed Dodds does a lot of the heavy lifting on that too. I think Mike Bloom does a lot of the negotiation as far as the numbers wise, but Ed Dodds is in there it's with within step with Mike Bloom, and then they kind of bring Ballard into it as far as getting the players in the building, getting them getting them on the team. Yeah. But but yeah, Mike Bloom, a lot of people don't know who he is, but he plays such an essential role in this Colts team, not only during the offseason when most of the negotiations take place, but during the season as well, consistently watching the cap, watching what other teams are doing with their cap and things like that. Mike, I, I really liked this episode because, I mean, it was different than than a lot of the past with the next pick episodes because it wasn't necessarily diving into the draft room and the scouts and everything. It was a completely different angle about a guy that we don't really know too much about. And we got to see exactly what his job all entails. So and it was, lo- sorry, buddy. I just lo- love Mike Bloom. He, I think he does a great job. And I think it's impressive. I mean, how they add in all the fact, you know, think about the amount of rules in the NFL. He has to follow. I mean, almost any, any compliance related rule in regards to the union or the league itself uh, I mean, he's got to know it all. So that guy, he's an impressive character. Oh yeah. Um, and I do. And stats, Matt says the clip of him talking to assumed agents sure does seem like he's number two to me because I feel like, uh, the assistant GM is the guy that everybody looks at and says, well, that's number two. Uh, he's number two in regards to the football operations and, and the scouting. I think, uh, realistically, I, I, I think this guy's the real number two in regards to decision-making. I would, yeah, I would say as far as getting the negotiations down, I mean, Chris Ballard will obviously will sign off on everything, yeah. but Bloom is the guy that's, that's getting the numbers right to make it yep. work, not only for the team this year, but, but down the line as well. So yeah, gr- I thought it was a great episode. I'm excited to see kind of what, what other episodes because happen this year, because yeah, it seems like they're taking a different path with this season of with the next pick, rather than focusing in on the stuff we've seen before. And, and I kind of like that. 
Well, I mean, if it's a continuing series, you got to have some new material. Right, exactly. In recycled things. So uh, NFL free agency signings. Packers have acquired wide receiver Sammy Watkins from the Ravens. Uh, I don't think that's going to make a huge splash, but Aaron Rodgers seems to be able to make guys that you think are done um, or you think aren't great look kind of, you know, look better than they are. Right, and I, I think I saw from the, the, the contract numbers that not much of it's guaranteed. So if... Sure. And I think it's only a one-year deal. So if Sammy Watkins doesn't work out in training camp or he doesn't show that he can be a valuable part of this offense, the Packers could kick him to the curb. And re-signings. Cardinals re-sign A.J. Green. That kind of shocked me. I don't know the numbers on that. Seahawks re-signed backup quarterback Geno Smith. Um, A.J. Green, I assume reasonable money. Yeah, I think a, a one year, maybe I think it was five to six million dollars, but uh, he had a career resurgence there in Arizona. I mean, people we thought AJ Green was was done or was going to be res, go to a backup role. And he had a pretty good season next to yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz resigned there. So really, they're yeah. bringing pretty much the entire offense in Arizona back. I mean, you still got that whole situation where Kyler Murray is in, in voluntary workouts and still doesn't have a new contract but at least your weapons are there yeah uh news around the league andrew i'm gonna flip-flop these two let's get the browns and cornerback denzel ward agreement out of the way here uh they get they take up a five-year 100.5 million dollar extension with 71.25 million guaranteed making him the highest paid cornerback in history uh good for him i just got paid yeah, and he's a, he's a very good corner. Was the fourth overall pick in the 2018 draft, two ahead of Quentin Nelson, um, and he's he's been phenomenal since he came into the league. So he deserves every penny of it. And the Browns have a legitimate number one cornerback for for years to come. Now the one everybody's talking about, because uh, this is a position the Colts seem to be in dire need for. Our draft capital, uh, as of a couple of days ago, is lower than it was. Um, you know, last week when we spoke, Andrew Debo Samuel has requested a trade um, from the 49ers. Everybody's talking about it. We already have 57 comments about it. Uh, talk about Debo, talk about Debo. So let's talk money. After the Gilmore signing, I, 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 I'm no capologist, obviously. Do I mean, do we even have the money for a guy like this, is there a way to structure a deal? I mean, if we just said, here's all of our picks this year and our first year, you know, first round next year for Debo Samuel, is it, let's start here. Is it possible before we start talking about anything else? Is it even possible for us to make this work somehow? Theoretically, they could, but it would require restructuring of contracts it would require the Quentin Nelson extension to be in place to take some of the cap hurt the to take some of the pressure off the cap. Um, because not only, I mean, you got to think, well, Debo Samuel is on a rookie contract. The team that trades for Debo Samuel is going to be expected to give him an extension. And Debo yeah. Samuel is probably going to command over $20 million a year. So, when you have, I think the Colts are around, I think that stats, Matt said 10 to 13 million. Yeah, in that's cap what I was guessing when I was talking to uh, Tyler today. I do think that is correct. Uh, so it would have to, it would require a Ryan Kelly uh, restructure, probably a DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, all the guys that are making and having huge cap hits this year. It would require a restructure like that in order to, to make it work with the extension. 
So that was my concern. Um, so it's possible. Uh, a lot of team players on that list of guys that you just said that would need to restructure. Um, maybe, maybe it gets, to, maybe it's possible to get it done. Now let's talk about this player. It, real quick. It is because the Colts, honestly, they don't need to ask the players permission for that restructure because they get, they get that got money. It. They got that money anyway. It's just that the Colts don't really do that because they don't like to push money into, into the future. Sure. Um, so Debo Samuel, uh, I, I was arguing with Tyler, you know, cause obviously he's all high on Tyree kill right now. Cause he needs him to be good. Uh, I think Debo Samuel, if I had to pick from the two of those players right now, I'm taking Debo Samuel all the way. And I know he's younger. That's not right. I mean, he's younger um, oh, yeah, by quite a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, this, that aside, Debo Samuel is an absolute animal. Tyree kill is a, a cheetah. He's really fast, and he throws up his cute peace signs. Uh, Debo Samuel run you over. Debo Samuel will make you look like you don't know how to play football. Makes grown men uh, look like ballerinas. Okay, no offense to the ballerinas that listen to this show uh, or any others. However, I mean that dude is a grown ass man, and I don't want to hear this nonsense about well, it's the offense he's in. That dude makes dudes look stupid. He's, he's a phenomenal athlete, and I, I think we need to preface this by saying one of the main reasons Debo Samuel wants out of San Francisco is because of his role, because he had because they are using him as more of that quote-unquote wide-back role where he's a running back, wide receiver, hybrid, and he's been noticing that exactly what Stats Matt said. He doesn't want to be a running back anymore. He doesn't want to take that beating because it's going to take years off of his career. And, and when you're a wide receiver, it will affect his paycheck. Exactly. So, I mean, he would probably wants to be used more as a traditional wide receiver. So he doesn't take as big a beating. And, and, and I don't think, and I think he knows that if he stays in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's going to continue to use him like that. So, that's why I, why I think he requested the trade. So that the team that's getting him, like people saying that he, that we're going to be getting the Debo Samuel and how he was used in San Francisco, that's not it. That he's going to be in that more traditional wide receiver role, which I don't think the Colts would have a problem with. But then I think we're we're now we're kind of getting into what what would it take to get him from the 49ers. And from what I've heard today, is basically the 49ers starting price for Debo Samuel is even above what the Dolphins gave up for Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Basically the 49ers are saying the 40 while well, Debo's requested a trade, the 49ers are saying you can request a trade all you want, but unless we get a blockbuster like record breaking deal out of this mm -hmm. trade, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. So that, that at least that's what it is. Obviously it's day one. It just can't hey, well Technically, he requested it a week ago, but it became public today. We'll see what happens. I know the Colts have inquired about it. Doesn't Colts mean it's going to get done. Favorite on the betting line. I know the Colts have inquired about it, and obviously, if they wouldn't be Ballard, wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't at yeah. least inquire about it. Doesn't mean but, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Doesn't mean it's even close to happening. But but I mean, the Colts are, are have reached out to the 49ers about Debo Samuel. The Jets are the favorite. Uh, to acquire him, and I can't take credit for this take, but uh, Tyler pointed out that the Jets were very, very in on the Tyree Kill uh, bidding, uh, so wouldn't be shocked to see them throw big numbers out for Debo. Um, 
last thing on this, you got to wonder how much this has to do with the quarterback position as well. And uh, at the 49ers now that, 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 that's not to say, you know, whoever they're deciding to go with, and maybe it's because Jimmy G's still lingering around. Maybe Debo's not happy about that. Maybe he thinks he's going to end up starting again. And if Jimmy G's starting, he's not going to be able to move into a more traditional role. Uh, if the backup, whatever I Trey Lance is, is the starter, maybe he thinks he's able to play more traditional role. And maybe, maybe this is a hint that uh, we might be looking at more Jimmy G. The last thing I'll pro I'll say on this, just just as far as what it's going to take to get Debo Samuel and and including the Colts in that conversation, you got to remember the Colts don't have a first round pick this year. Neither do the 49ers. So you got to expect that the 49ers are wanting to get in the first round, and the teams that that have been rumored to be the uh, competing with the Colts for that landing spot. The Jets with two first-round picks, the Eagles with two first-round picks, the Chiefs with two first-round yeah. picks, the Packers with two first-round picks. It's going to take at least one, maybe even two first-round picks in order to get Debo Samuel. No doubt. That's it. Go follow us at a Colts podcast uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Join in on the conversations in the show by watching the live stream on YouTube and Facebook. Thanks again to Josh Carney for joining us. Uh, make sure to go check out that indie draft guide. Links in the uh, bio. Links on social. Uh, you know where to find it. Um, Andrew, anything else to say before we uh, say goodbye to our many, many hundreds of fans? Next week is we're doing our mock draft episode before the draft, so we'll. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's time the draft to first round is a week from tomorrow so uh, i will I mean, hey we'll you know how we always talk about our plans on the show we'll do a mock draft episode and then uh talk about our live episode during probably day two it's gonna be a fun week all righty buddy well you know what we say until next time go colts go colts Let this moment become a cherished memory. And then remember, a legacy is only worthwhile when there is a future to fuel. God bless you and God bless football.